Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glad you're with us for the second hour. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network from 6th and Peabody. Old Smoky Moonshine. Yeehaw Beer. You can join the conversation on Twitter at Outkick360. You can find us on YouTube as well. Chad, always in the chat room there. I'm chatting it up all times, just sitting there chatting it up. Just chit-chatting. Yeah. The problem is we get one of these adult sites at least once a week that, like, hack in. And then he's not chit-chatting anymore. He's he's on a different site. Oh, uh, hey, I'm waiting on you if you're 18 and up. Oh, hi, well, hi how, baby. I'm, a, I'm over 18. I'm well over well, I'm 18. Very, guys, I'm in a very different chat right now. I'm double 18. We were talking Jets and Colts, and now this person wants to talk about something very different. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, we need to get these people out of the chat. I don't know how to do it. but they need Reed's to very good at cleaning up the chat. Yeah, he does. He well, Reed catches away. And I think this person has been cleaned He's out. He's got a broom, anything. don't you, Dave? Yeah, I, do. I have nothing else going on over here. I'll just monitor that chat all day. It's always weird. <laughs> Not doing anything. It's always weird when I uh, respond in the chat, and then it just shuts it down. <laughs> I responded with two things in the chat thirty minutes ago, that no one replied to that. Well, I guess I'll we're go, done here. I'll go check it out. It's like the 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 teacher got involved. Well, the teacher responded, so now this isn't fun anymore. Our parents like this. I'm the parent of this chat. Uh, basically, is what I'm saying. Fun. Expected to be joined by Sean Weatherspoon uh, coming up in a matter of minutes. Until then, uh, question for you guys about uh, this this week across the NFL. Uh, no Aaron Rodgers for the Green Bay Packers as they're on the road at Arrowhead in Kansas City. No Derrick Henry for the Titans as they're on the road Sunday night against the LA Rams. The spread on both of those games in Vegas is exactly the same. So my question is, which loss do you feel like the the current team will play through better? Do you think jo- Jordan Love and the the Devontae Adams is back for Green Bay? Uh, they're on the road against a bad uh, defense for Kansas City, or do you think that the Titans can find a way to find a run game and Ryan Tannehill distributes the football to Julio Jones and AJ Brown, and they actually have a tight end who shows up. Who, who plays better in this, this week, Titans or Packers on the road? It is a terrific question, Hutton. My answer is I think the Packers play better because the Chiefs' defense gives them an opportunity to play better. And I'll say it again. They drafted this guy in the first round. Let's see a little first-round talent in this game. This is the future of the Packers organization. That is what they said when they drafted him. He has to have something. They saw something in him. This is a bad Chiefs defense. I think with the Titans going to L.A. and having to, I don't think the Packers have to reinvent themselves with Jordan Love. It's just a worse version of the offense that they were going to run with Aaron Rodgers, right? He's going to run the same offense, just not as well as Aaron Rodgers, who's an all-time great. I think the Titans are going to have to reinvent themselves, and it's going to take a little time to figure out what that offense looks like. For that reason, I think the Packers play better. I just think, um, I, I think, the Rams are way better than the Chiefs. I'm basing it purely on opposition. 
I think Rodgers is a bigger loss than Henry just because quarterback is quarterback. Um, and I think the drop-offs are pretty similar. But I think I love the Rams. I think the Rams are fantastic. I've seen the Chiefs, uh, not just in the game here in Nashville recently, but they were on Monday night against the Giants, very unimpressive yep. in yep. their win. And, uh, you know, you and I went back and forth on this early in the week after the Monday night game. I said, I just can't see him recovering. You still see a, a, a path and think it's too early to dismiss them. I don't. I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to dig out of this. And I, I think the Packers can find a way – can more easily find a way to win this than the Titans can in Los Angeles. Well, they have a tough stretch, the Chiefs do, to Paul's point. But they catch a huge break this week. Oh, I mean, oh, of all yeah. weeks for Aaron Rodgers to have COVID. Yeah, you want to right? get it right, you, you go to – Get a rookie quarterback. You go from Daniel Jones to a guy who's never started. And that's in Green Bay, right? No, it's in oh, Arrowhead. It's in Arrowhead. Either stadium there, what a win Like for watching the game, right? I went back and, and read Aaron Rodgers' statements where people think he was lying – about being vaccinated, uh, that, that, I, I've, I've got a strong. I think thought it on was. This. I think it was uh, ESPN that had a story up that had every excerpt that where he talked about what what he. Uh, it's confusing, but he never outright says that he's vaccinated. He says something along the lines though of he puts people who aren't vaccinated on his team in a they category. Mm. He says there are people on this team that aren't vaccinated, and they made that decision. For a reason. Which makes That's the one like that sounds like we, I'm on the, in the camp of I'm vaccinated. They have their own reasons for it. I think they have the right to the, those reasons. He, it's, a, it's a really meandering answer to say people that are vaccinated are still getting it. So people have the right to not get it if they want. There are some here that haven't gotten it. They have the right to do that. That's the one moment where he I thought, was, okay, now I can see where people think He's saying that I'm vaccinated and they aren't. He was intentionally vague. Didn't he say, he, he was asked, are you vaccinated, basically? And he said, yes, I'm inoculated. Yes is yes. The question was, are you vaccinated? He said, yes. If he just said, I'm inoculated, then there would have been room for the haziness. But he said, yes, I'm inoculated. Yes is to, are you vaccinated? Listen, I don't want to get into all the COVID stuff. This is a matter of following the rules which we've talked about, different rules for different people, Dan Snyder and Jerry Richardson and all of that. The whole league is bound by these rules, and this gives a very strong appearance that Aaron Rodgers, the reigning MVP, is not being held to the same set of rules that a bunch of guys are following. Go to the preseason. If you're not vaccinated and you're not playing in the preseason, you're supposed to be masked on the sideline. And most teams, I, I don't know what teams do, the Titans don't put out a list of guys who aren't playing tonight. But guess what Green Bay did? They put out a list. These guys aren't playing tonight. Aaron Rodgers was on that list. That's the definition of inactive for a preseason game. And guess who wasn't wearing a mask on the sideline? Aaron Rodgers. So this isn't about COVID, not COVID, not vaccinated, all that. This is about are you following the same rules that everybody else is being asked to follow? And he wasn't. Well, let me start by saying the rules are stupid and overly uh, punitive. Agreed. Let's put that uh, aside. With the NFL. But you're right, Paul, in this. They weren't following the same set of rules for Aaron Rodgers, which then leads me to ask the question, why is that? And is it because Aaron Rodgers has you by the you-know-what? Right and there, they Packers are being nice to him. They are not going to do anything that Aaron Rodgers does not want to do because they had to get on hand and knee to do everything that he wanted to, to bring him back. him back, to make him happy enough, to make a run, the defending MVP, 
to be in a place where he could lead this team possibly to a Super Bowl. But now they're both in trouble. And now suddenly it's well, we'll we'll do whatever Aaron Rodgers wants on that also. And this whole inoculation thing, when he's asked about it, he says, Yes, I'm inoculated. I'm watching this uh, FX series impeachment about Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. And the moment where Bill Clinton legally had his defense in the depos- in the deposition when he answers Ken Starr's question and he said, I did not lie based on your definition of sexual relations. And they get into this whole breakdown of the way you defined it, sir is this, and by that definition, I did not lie because I did not have them based on your outline. This Parts the, of the the inoculation versus vaccination, and you look, it, it's the same thing. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers wanted to go Bill Clinton defense, if someone said, you lied about it, no, let me give you the definition of inoculation versus vaccination, and what I did, that is a homeopathic remedy, is defined as inoculation, so that part of it to me is stupid about whether or not he lied. Stupid just like the league COVID policies. But also, I think there is something to be said for you're just not following by the league's rules and the league would then have to look into it for the Packers. They will. And they have to now. He's also answering that question and being vague because he's going back and forth based on the timeline of the reporting. He's going back and forth with the league on whether or not whatever he's doing counts as a vaccination. But step. he has to know. There's no way there. What they're intending but for Paul, people to do is guess get the who shot. El- guess who else knew? The National Football League. Oh, I know. They didn't act. Sitting in front of me at every Titans game is a representative from the NFL surveying. They're more than just the uh, underwear police. They're, they're more than just the 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 jersey police, and they're scanning. You think if, if every NFL game that Aaron Rodgers has played in this year, they're doing the exact same thing. And week nine is when this comes out? Because the, the, only, the, only when he gets it. Because the media brings it up, the same media that goes to a restaurant after they get done reporting and going to Aaron Rodgers' press conferences. By the way, if you gave them an option of taking a, Re- a Rodgers' press conference or not, they would take it. And, but yet they're, they're the mask police. Well, I know what you're striving at, but the biggest thing that changed is he has COVID and he's missing a game. That's right. the biggest thing. And now that's he has changed. the antibodies and he's not getting gonna need the vaccination. Yes, but the <laughs> rules were broken throughout this whole time period, starting with the the sideline masking. But that where but, was your guy not spotting the sideline masking at the preseason games? Yeah. Again, they don't care unless the media reports it. And then it becomes a you know, the, it's, the, the issue. To me it's just all about Well, Green Bay wasn't enforcing uh, it, it either. It, I understand the human reaction to it. It's really about jealousy. Oh, he Aaron Rodgers gets to do whatever he wants, but I have to test daily, and I've got to wear a mask, and I've got... I understand that, but that's life. Not everyone follows the same rules. Now, the big question is, to me, just where Aaron Rodgers is in position with the Packers and what the Packers do to, to bend over backwards for right, him right. and also to what Hutton said. The league knows this. They're seeing him not following protocol in press conferences. They don't care either. And I'll get back to this. I truly don't believe anyone really cares. I think your anger over it is either out of jealousy, out of this media member gets to do this and I don't, or this quarterback gets to do this and I don't, or out of the league having some COVID czar sitting there having to go, oh, did you you test today? Did you wear a mask here? Did you come within six feet? There's someone that cares about it just because the rule tells them to care about it. I don't get the sense that anybody truly cares. I don't... don't, I disagree a little bit. Well, I, I still, it's all about the rules. But the, on the jealousy front, Chad, 
I mean, I think there's reasonable jealousy. Ryan Tannehill didn't want to get vaccinated. And he looked at the rules and said, listen, it doesn't make any sense for me as a quarterback and leader of the Tennessee Titans not to be able to eat with my guys, not to be able to gather with my guys. In order to lead this team as I want to, I've got to abide by this rule. And he did. Now, if, if Aaron Rodgers was able to eat with his guys and gather with his guys unvaccinated, Ryan Tannehill got screwed on, his, on what he wanted to do. And if, and if he Aaron should Rodgers be did, pissed if jealous. Aaron Rodgers wasn't able to do that, they're six and one. Right. But here's the thing about so I get what so you're Ryan saying. So Ryan Tannehill should be pissed. Well, if pissed about what though? Well, pissed that, that he got to Aaron, not wear a mask. Well, pissed in the press that Aaron Rodgers like didn't have to do what he had to do. He didn't but have to follow the same rule. He had to test every day as an unvaccinated person. That's how he got popped. Well, there was a list of things That's that right. Aaron that Ryan Tannehill was not going to be able to do. If he didn't get the shot, but and he said, than, I have to tra- make the trade off and get the shot. Aaron Rodgers looked at the same list and apparently not getting the shot. He didn't have to do the same list. I guess here's what I'm saying. I would completely agree with you. If Aaron Rodgers got all of these great benefits, he got some. What other he, than not, uh, other get, than not going on zoom for press conferences, Aaron Rodgers went and we faced don't know. the media. We don't know what he you did. Think Ryan the Tannehill scenes? is thinking, man, I am. No, I'm so mad that it, the only reason <laughs> I got vaccinated was to go face the media and then this guy got to face the media as an unvaccinated. Did he get player. to have lunch with this guy? Did he get to have small group meetings Everything with this I've guy? read says that he had to wear masks around the facility when not in front of the media. But I think Basically, even, there's I think even ma- I think even masked, you're not allowed to have lunch with, with small groups and have meetings with small groups in the building with the social distancing stuff if you don't have the shot. I just think the biggest benefit that Ryan Tannehill talked about, and he's right to do this from a team business decision, take away thoughts about vaccines, whatever, is because you don't have to test every day. You know, the, the process to get back, I could test positive on a Wednesday and be back on Sunday. I don't want to put my team in jeopardy on a Sunday of not being available. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't get that benefit now with this either way. I just don't see the big benefit he received other than, well, now at least he has it at this point in the season and he's done. Where Ryan Tannehill, by the way, even vaccinated, could miss a game at some point this season, and it's not going to matter. Well, now... That's where I feel bad if I'm Ryan Tannehill. You told me to get this. I didn't want to get it. I tested positive, no symptoms, with a vaccination, and now you're telling me I got to sit on Sunday. That's the whole reason I took this shot. That's where I'd be mad if I'm Ryan Tannehill, not about Aaron Rodgers facing the media without a mask. There is also um, the, the... the, the, the weird storyline of Jordan Love now because the offseason was about if, if Green Bay's ready to turn things over to him a year early, they weren't. They, the, the whole timeline sets up for next offseason. And now they get a game and a start and where this guy should show some command of the offense. I mean, he's been with Matt LaFleur now for you know months and months. He, he should be well-versed in the terminology and ready to go out and run this offense. And if he's not, then then it opens the door for a lot of uh, second guessing. But if he plays well, and they pull off the upset that no one's expecting him to do, then you can make the transition and you feel a little bit better about it. I know it's off of one game, hypothetically here, yep. but they they at least get an evaluation game at six and one on the road at Arrowhead. I mean, that's a that's if a they nice... lose it though, you don't want the evaluation game. If they win it, you want it. But if they, they have, lose it, you don't want it. They have some flexibility. Well, like we've talked about, the NFC is super competitive. 
You don't want that division's the, the, not the flex, not the division, but for the number one seat. I mean, it's like it's, you want. the storyline in Tennessee is very similar to Green Bay right now, divisionally. If they were to lose uh, one of their key players to injury, they'd be pointing to their division lead and saying, "You know what? At worst, we're the four seed in the NFC. We're hosting a game at Lambeau in January." Yeah, but you'd rather be off the first week, of course. So with the Titans, but my my point is like they get a chance now where they have a little leeway. To figure things out because they're forced to. Yeah, they're forced to. But if you had, get, had a choice, you'd rather be in contention for the for yeah, the week I mean, off. Now they have their starting quarterback who's unvaccinated, who has antibodies, and will be treated like a vaccinated player for three months. Uh, I mean, it works out for them either way. That's how I view this. At six and one, if they were four and four or whatever, you know the the whatever's going on and all these other teams that are scrambling. If they're if they're Kansas City, then you're worried. But the Mahomes isn't playing because you need to win every single game. I think Love will play poorly. They'll win anyway on a run-based game and a defense-based game. Old Smoky Tennessee moonshine and yeehaw beer mm. right here at 6th and Peabody, downtown Sorter Nashville. Order up. Right. Outkick 360 rolls on. You can follow us on Twitter at Outkick 360. YouTube page as well. You can find the podcast. If you miss portions of the show, find the podcast wherever you download your podcasts. Just simply search out the show, Outkick 360. We're going to be live in Tuscaloosa this Saturday morning for Outkick the Tailgate. It's all presented by Farm Folio, and our special guest will be Jake Coker, national championship winning quarterback for Alabama. Uh, Dan Dockage is going to be in town. Dan Dockich in Tuscaloosa. He's got some sort of family tie uh, to an Alabama student, and he wanted to get down for a game. So this is the game. It just worked out perfectly where he's going to this game to visit a, a family a friend as a daughter that goes to Alabama. So he'll be on with us I'm this I'm glad Saturday. for you guys that you didn't do so much damage your first time there that you've been welcomed back. I was doing damage in Scottsdale, Arizona when they were there last time. So this will be my first trip oh, to Tuscaloosa. Oh, okay. Well, that, that, that explains why you're welcome back. <laughs> a lot of damage was done I forgot on that trip. That. We are back. Financial damage, liver damage. A lot of things were done on that trip. <laughs> be my first time going to watch Alabama LSU at Bryant-Denny Stadium. That should be entertaining. Night game. I you're, have you're farewell 20, to Coach O. 28 and a half point favorites. Alabama over so LSU. I have an that LSU so Alabama tie where I've been in Tuscaloosa, but it wasn't for Alabama LSU. I went to I think it's two thousand yeah two thousand ten. I went to Alabama Florida. It was one versus two in the country or one versus three at the time, and I watched in a, at a tailgate Tennessee LSU, and that was the famous thirteen men on the field game for Derek Dooley in year one. Uh, where Tennessee thought they had won and, and they were penalized. But it was quite the atmosphere for, t- for uh, Bama, Florida that I night. I was there for the six or seven overtime game, and it was absolute torture for me because the Yankees were playing a World Series game. At Tennessee, the Al- Tennessee, Alabama. Oh, oh yeah, it wasn't yeah. Sorry. Armando Salguero joins us from Outkick.com, NFL senior writer and columnist for the site. Armando, great to see you, man. Sorry I'm late, guys. I was working on a story that has nothing to do with sports. Uh, Unacceptable. <laughs> You're fired. Yeah. Hey, great to see you, man. Uh, what type of discipline is uh, Aaron Rodgers facing from the NFL? Yeah. So I don't know that it's Aaron Rodgers' discipline as much as it's going to be Green Bay Packers' discipline. Because as you know, last year the Baltimore Ravens were fined, I think it was $250,000. Um, and 
sure enough, um, they didn't enjoy that fine, and the Packers are facing similar fines. I can tell you that I covered the Packers game against the Cardinals last week. As a matter of fact, last Thursday. And after the game, uh, we're in that little tiny room, um, you know, the interview room that, that they have in Arizona for the visiting team. And all the Packers players came into that room. None of them were wearing masks, um, which is fine with me because, you know, I, you know. You're there to I, do I, your story. Yeah. yeah. You don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but as I'm just telling you, I think that NFL rules, um, right or wrong, but NFL rules that were agreed to with the NFLPA say that if you are not vaccinated, you being an NFL player, you have to wear a mask indoors. And that makes sense for like Lamar Jackson. Like he's always masked uh, whenever he takes and, the podium, I notice. And Aaron Rodgers was not. Gotcha. Armando Salguero with us. Uh, last week's Thursday night game, uh, a, a bit more appealing <laughs> than tonight's matchup with the Colts and the Jets. Are you among those covering the league, Armando, that believes the Colts are still in line for a wild card spot? I think that the Colts are a better team than what their record suggests. Uh, I know the Parcellsism, okay? I, I, mm -hmm. I, the guy. You are what your record says you are. But I think that applies to the end of the year where we look back and say, okay, this is what that team was. Um, there are good teams that start off kind of slow. There are team, and then, you know, pick up at the end of the year. I think that the Colts might be one of those. Um, I would say this. Uh, the more interesting story to me out of tonight's game is not the Colts, believe it or not. I think it's the Jets, and I think it's their quarterback. And the reason I think that is because Robert Sala, a rookie defensive-minded head coach, kind of opened the door last week when Mike White, his, his backup, had one good game, one. And all of a sudden, we might have a quarterback controversy in New York, despite the fact that they used, I think it was the second overall pick on Zach Wilson, because Wilson is hurt and White had one good game. So uh, I just want to see if he can have two good games. <laughs> uh, and, and then maybe I'll start to see it the coach's way. But I've fallen for the banana in the tailpipe trick too many times with the New York Jets telling me that Mark Sanchez was the Sanchez or the whatever they anointed him. And that, you know, all the other first round picks that they picked were the next Broadway Joe when, in fact, they weren't. I'm not falling for the one good game uh, banana in the tailpipe trick. Armando, you're also not falling for Dolphins GM Chris Greer. Uh, I've read your column at OutKick right now, and uh, failure was the key word in his press availability. Um what can you tell us about Chris Greer's tenure right now with the Dolphins? Yeah, I think it's going to come to an end. Uh, 
once the season is over. And the reason I think that is as a general manager, he's been the general manager for six years. And people don't realize that because they figure, well, Brian Flores has only been the head coach for three years. And so therefore Chris Greer has been around for three years. No, Chris Greer became the general manager of that team in 2016 and actually was the survivor of the Greer, Tannenbaum, Adam Gase um, administration. So what has happened in those six years is the Miami Dolphins under Greer have won, oh yeah, zero Super Bowls. (laughs) (laughs) And they've won, oh yeah, zero playoff games. And in those six years, the Dolphins have been to many playoff games, only if you defined many as one, and they got blown out by Pittsburgh. My point is that they're no better off now than on the day that they hired Chris Greer. They don't have an elite quarterback to speak of. They've told you themselves they don't believe they have an elite quarterback in Tua Tonga-Vailoa because why? They went out and tried to trade for Deshaun Watson. And Greer tried to hide behind the idea that, well, we didn't actually consummate the trade. No, you didn't. Another failure for you. So I think that ownership will see that. And that's why he's a failed GM. And that's why failed GMs, I believe, get till the end of the season. And then they're out of here. Pro Football Hall of Fame ballots due tomorrow. I'm curious if you're a pro, uh, procrastinator like I am. We have to cut to 25 tomorrow, which is semifinalists. And I'm curious if you're like me. I have trouble finding 25 guys I like. I'm at 20 right now. 15's a different wow. story, but I have trouble getting to 25. Does that make me weird? No, it doesn't make you weird. Uh, and I admire your procrastination. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I really do. It's open <laughs> on my no screen right here. That guy. But I got my ballot in. Uh, I, I had like time last night, Paul. Oh, so and, you didn't. Oh, it's not like you got it done last week. That's why he appreciates your procrastination because he did it as well. <laughs> yeah. No, I. <laughs> if I had four more guys, I'd turn it in. Yeah, but I, I didn't have problems checking off names, Paul. I, I, I easily got to 25. Good for you. Uh, maybe I'll call you tonight. We may, we may go through <laughs> a, a few of these uh, later in today's show, uh, just for Chad and I's perspective and, and give our thoughts on maybe some guys on this list, not knowing which way Paul's voting. Armando Salguero and Paul Kaharski, both Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, uh, Armando on oh, with us. By the us. way, guys, I need a day off. We just got the uh, memo about when the meeting is, and we'll, I'll be oh. sitting on Zoom all day sometime in January. So is Odell Beckham Jr. going to be on one of these lists one day, and will he be <laughs> submitting the video for review his for father, Hall of Fame status? His father or, will present Or will his father be presenting the video of all the times he was open <laughs> and his moronic quarterbacks wouldn't throw him the ball? Yeah, can we all agree that Odell Beckham Jr. has Hall of Fame talent? Uh, am I am I wrong on that? Agreed. I mean, Absolutely. Right? But <laughs> Hall of Fame talent and Hall of Famer or even a Hall of Fame candidate are not congruent. And Odell Beckham Jr. is the personification of 
having wasted a lot of that talent, at least in my view, um, and a lot of it is just circus stuff that really doesn't need to happen. Um, if I'm an athlete, which obviously I am not, <laughs> um, I, I would say to you, I would have figured out by the time that I'm 28, 29, 30, that my parents shouldn't be involved in my work. I wasn't an athlete and I didn't let my folks call my employers or call out my, um, my, the people that were working with me, my peers, and say, well, my son has a better verb, uses better verbs than you do, or you're not placing his story in the right position or anything like that. These athletes that have dads or moms who are, I would say, a little bit beyond uh, the line of support, they make a make make a huge mistake allowing that to enter into their professional career because I've never understood when does it has it ever done good? I, I don't you know when you get the the ball family uh, to a lesser degree down here the Tua Tonga Vailoa's dad uh, you. you Maybe Archie Manning, that's where it, it it works well because he stood in and made sure that Eli went not to San Diego, but to the Giants, and there it worked. But other than that, I don't know of any instance where a parent gets involved in the kid's career and it works out well. I find Beckham's staying power, guys, to to still be remarkable. My 12-year-old still calls great catches when when they're throwing the ball or I'm throwing the ball to him in the yard. He says, throw it, throw it higher and wider. I want to do an Odell. And in today's society that moves so fast, I would yeah. have thought he would have been replaced in their consciousness a long time ago. What's that catch, five, six, seven years old? It's been a while. You're right. Around that time. Armando um... – Curious, do, do you, when you heard of Derrick Henry's injury here in Nashville, did it resonate with you the same way a quarterback would had a, a star quarterback gone down for their offense? Absolutely. And the reason is, and I'm not going to tell you guys something you don't know. You know it better than I do. Uh, the Tennessee Titans offense is Derrick Henry. And I know that Ryan Tannehill has been a good complimentary player, but the quarterback is the complimentary player in Tennessee and they just lost their star player. And I did something for outkick. Uh, as a matter of fact, today, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen, but when Ryan Tannehill is asked to step up to be the star, to be the guy that shoulders you know, the, the burden of the offense, it doesn't work out so well. Um, I think his record in games where he has to throw at least 30 passes or more in Tennessee is only seven and seven, but his record where he throws much fewer passes, he's winning like 85% of those games. 
uh, in Miami, he was like eight, nine, 10 games under 500 at times where he had to throw more. And yet throwing less, he was just as many games over 500. What does that suggest? It suggests that Ryan Tannehill is better in smaller doses as a complementary player. That's why he fits so well in Tennessee, because Derrick Henry was that guy, except that Derrick Henry's not that guy anymore because he's not there. Armando Salguero, our guest. Um, looking around the league right now, the, the Rams among the best teams in the league. Is there a team that's around 500 that you feel like, and it could be a game or two above, that you feel like is about to make a big move, a big step forward? Everyone's discussing the Chiefs and whether or not they're going to do it. Pittsburgh is a game above 500 right now. Who are you buying right now? The New England Patriots. And the reason I'm buying them is because they understand who they are. They don't have, they don't, they're not sold on themselves. They believe in themselves, but they don't have this fanciful image of themselves. They know that they where their weaknesses are. They know where their strengths are. And Bill Belichick gets them to play to their strengths. And their strengths are defense, specifically in the passing game. Uh, they're very good against, you know, the pass. Also, they have a good offensive line. They have a good running game and they have a quick passing game with Mac Jones, not necessarily a dynamic passing game, but, you know, kind of like they run to pass the ball instead of pass to run the ball uh, like everybody else in the league seems to do. What I'm saying is they have a good idea of what it takes to win um, and they're starting to do it. They're four and four, I believe. They just beat the Chargers in Los Angeles. I wish it was San Diego, but in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, this is a team that's, that's, I think, the history of Bill Belichick is to improve his team as the season go, goes along. It didn't happen last year. I think it's happening this year. The, the, the Chargers have lost two straight. Meanwhile, the Bengals, the surprise team as well, they beat a 5-1 and one Baltimore team, then lose to a 1-5 and five Jets team. Are we going to learn more about the Bengals hosting the Browns and how they react this week, or the Chargers on the road in Philly against the Eagles? Well, I mean, the Chargers should really pound the Eagles. They should, and yeah. If, right? I mean, they, they just have so much more talent than the Eagles. Um, two rookie head coaches, I grant you, uh, but you look at Jalen Hurts and you look at Justin Herbert, and although Herbert has struggled the last couple of games, that shouldn't be much of a of a game, if you ask me. Um, as far as the Bengals, <laughs> I I was stunned that they lost to the Jets. Then again, I was stunned that the Titans lost to the Jets. I. I don't get the Jets. It's like, go away, Jets. You're kind of <laughs> over here. Uh, people are trying to have some nice seasons, and you're mucking it up for everybody. Armando, always great to have you on, man. We love chatting NFL headlines with you each and every Thursday. Let's do it again next week. Thanks. Sounds, sounds great. Thank. Get going, Paul. Let's go. Got to get it done, Paul. Plenty of time.
Stop procrastinating. When is the deadline? Tomorrow at some point. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll have uh we'll have a little discussion later in the show on the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh the selection the the semifinalist where you're at how many right now and you have to get down to 25. What's the number now? Uh 21. No, no, no. What, what Oh, I don't know how many. There there no, he's got to go you got to go up. You're saying no. He's got to go up. He's got to yeah. find I've got 25 to, get to 25. My I've only found 21. What, how many players is he selecting 25 names from? That's you don't know the official. I, number. I don't know precisely. I can Hundreds. find it between now and then, but between now and our conversation, I'll tell you. Okay. So what, we've got that coming up later in the show. When we come back, uh, former Atlanta Falcon linebacker Sean Weatherspoon joins us. We'll talk NFL defense. Former teammate of Julio Jones. Uh, we'll discuss what it's like to defend Adrian Peterson. We'll see both of them on the field this week. At least we expect to see Julio. We expect to see Adrian Peterson as the Titans take on the Rams on Sunday Night Football. Sean Weatherspoon next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Crew's all here today and pleased to be joined by one of the best linebackers to play for the Missouri Tigers. He put together one of the best seasons among linebackers for the Atlanta Falcons. Sean Weatherspoon, our guest. Spoon, great to have you on the show, man. Hope you're doing well. Yo, how you guys doing, man? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Doing great. Uh, we're just getting to know Julio Jones in this market. We haven't talked to him that much, frankly, because he's been doing a lot of rehab. You played mm. a long time with him in Atlanta where I think he missed 16 games during the time you were captain. Uh, you were teammates with him tell us a little bit about watching him uh go through the rehab process and fight his way back to to get on the field oh man um I know it's a little bit tough it's it's unusual for Julio um he, he missed some games early in his career but um I mean you look at the Atlanta stats man and he's been a mainstay across the league um actually I mean, he's done a great job of you know being productive throughout his career and um you know it was tough for me to see him leave Atlanta but you know, I know he's um, still in the South, and um, he's excited about going to a team that really has a chance, so it, it kind of stinks that he's out right now, but um, I'm sure he's working hard. Um, Julio's a brother of mine, man, and I still got him on my fantasy team, so I'm hoping the Nashville market hasn't given up on my guy yet. I'm excited. They, they're looking for production there, and then Adrian Peterson joins the team this week with uh, Derrick Henry going down. What was it like defending Adrian Peterson throughout your career? I mean, it, it, crazy as it is, um, I think my first opportunity to play against Adrian Peterson was when I was at Mizzou, and he missed the game. Oh. And then when I got to the league, um, when we played the Vikings, um, it never quite worked out that I got to play against him when I was in Atlanta. But when I went out to um, Arizona, we had a chance to play um, Teddy Bridgewater and, and Peterson, and um, he was a guy that you could always expect to come out with that mentality. Um, he's a Texas kid like myself, so I know he loves football. And just going against him was something that was um, – you know, it's just like any other back that really goes out there. That's just always going to be my mindset. But Adrian Peterson is not just any other back. And you really have to get your engine revved up to go out there and be productive against him. And I think um, the folks in Nashville can expect him to run hard. I mean, AD stands for all day. I know a lot of people call him AP, but if you know him, it's, it's AD and it's all day. And I think you guys are, you know, I think you'll like what he brings to the table. I'm not sure how much you know, he has left in the tank, but we're going to get a chance to see pretty soon. So I think Mike Vrabel has um, done his homework. He comes from that um that that New England background, so they always do their homework on their guys. So I think it's a great option at this time. You know, it sucks that you know King Henry went down, but I think AD's the guy that can come in and help out. And one of former uh, a former coach for Vrabel is Arthur Smith, now the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons taking on the Saints this weekend. 
What's the buzz like around the Falcons, around Falcons fans that you keep in touch with about Arthur Smith and the job that he's doing and was hired to do there? Um, I think when you, we pretty much just kind of take that out of it and just look at the product that's on the field. You know, we know it's a new culture. We expect that it's, it's going to be you know, up and down. But um, I think just the guys that I've been talking to, um, we just haven't ran the, ran the ball like we thought we'd run the ball. But for me, I kind of knew that coming in because, you know, Atlanta, they, they don't have Derrick Henry running the ball. Right. And I know um, Arthur Smith, you know, he had a, did, a, did a great job with Derrick Henry. And I think that's what, you know, helped him secure his position. But um, ultimately, you got to get the got to get the production. I know that they want to be a, you know, smash my football team. But right now, it just seems like they're going to be a check down team. And, um, you know, Matt's doing a good job of trying to take care of the ball. But this past week, gave it away. And um, that's something that they can't do if they want to go out there and beat the Saints. So the story's still out. It's early. I think Coach Smith, you know, he he he's comes from a, a great line of of, of coaches, and um, he's worked his tail off in the NFL to get to this point. But um, we we want to see it, you know. So um, the Saints is a, you know, it's always going to be a tough game for the Falcons. It's always going to be a game that the city is revved up for, and they're going through some struggles on their offensive end, and um, their defense is fired up. So I mean, Arthur Smith and the and the guys better get that run game going. And Matt Ryan going to need to pull out one of those Matt Ryan, you know, type of performances to get that win against the Saints. Sean, I don't want to spend too much time bringing up bad memories for you, <laughs> but um, you were around a team that was as close to giving Atlanta a championship as humanly possible. And now you're seeing it with the Braves in the city of Atlanta where they, they broke through and won that championship for the city of Atlanta. What's it been like uh, being in that area and seeing this? Because as you know, it's an area that's been starved for a title. No doubt, man. Um, you know, we we had a shot. We had a shot. It seemed like um, we we had it in the bag, and you you obviously know what happened. And um, you know, I, I would think of the teams that I played on Atlanta in my seven years. I, I've been on about three or four teams that you really thought, man, we could really win it. So you know, it's always tough when you put your you know your all into it and you don't get you know the the result that you like. I think the Braves has done a great job with persevering, and um, you know, they've been led by Freddie Freeman, and they got a lot of great young talent. That's, um, you know, hopefully we can keep them in here because, um, you know, the city's buzzing. My kids aren't going to school tomorrow, so I'm a little upset <laughs> right. about that. We, we are not going to the parade. You know? <laughs> it's a pandemic and my babies are young and we're going to stay at home and kind of watch that on TV. But, man, cool. got to take your hat off to the to the coach, um, the manager. He's done a great job. He's been a part of the team for like, I mean, he's been here forever. Um, I was I'm an Astros fan, so that was tough for me. Oh, really? At the same time when, when the Astros are playing the Braves. I got to cheer for the Astros. But when the Braves aren't playing my guys, I'm rocking with the Braves all day, man. So big ups to them, and um, congratulations. It's definitely, definitely in order. John Weatherspoon, our, our guest. Final thing for you, Spoon, on the way out, final 60 seconds. Are you pleased with Missouri and the SEC? Or are you Big 12 loyal? Um, I'm definitely pleased that they're in the SEC. I'm just not pleased with the result that we're getting, man. But um, the SEC is the premier conference. And if you're going to do it, you got to do it against the best. So, I mean, hey. You can't run from that. You got to keep going. But when I was in the Big 12, yeah. hey, we, we had that thing rocking, man. We had I remember we had five teams in the top 10, and Missouri was number one. So, like, hey, it was it was a good time. But, um, you know, the SEC is a great opportunity for those guys. Hey, great visit. Great chat with you, man. And uh, let's keep this going. We hope to have you on again soon. Thanks. No doubt, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks, right. Sean. Sean Weatherspoon has been our guest. I wanted to ask him about Dan Quinn, who he played for, oh, and what yeah. he's doing in Dallas uh, uh, next time. Excellent, uh, excellent uh, coach in Dallas, and that's that's the reason why Dallas has turned things around. It's their defense, but their defense, it's still a very offensive football team. They're kind of like Titans in Nashville, where the yeah. defense only needed to get so good, and still statistically, they're not very good. But they're doing enough with that offense, which is all they need.
Cowboys uh, hosting the Broncos this week. Speaking of good defense, Denver's got one, but now they've traded away Von Miller. How does that defense respond with their leader now being shipped away to L.A.? We'll be previewing that game and more uh, coming up, as well as Titans and Rams. We've got details there, and we look ahead to what's going on with the NCAA investigation. Wrapping up, according to VolQuest, Austin Price joins us live next on OutKick 360.